morning, Well family. How are we doing? Man, are you guys excited? Are you excited to talk about the Holy Spirit this morning? All right, cool. Well, we are going to dive in pretty quick. We have a lot to cover today. And uh, as Stephanie said earlier, my name is Adam. I'm one of the pastors here at the Well. And it is a joy to worship with you, to sing in Christ alone. Is that not a good thing? Is that a good part of your week to come in here and worship together? It is so fun to come together. If you've been with us uh, the last two weeks, you know that Tori's been talking about that we want to be a Christ-centered church and a gospel-saturated people. And so we really believe that that shapes a lot of where we're headed and a lot of our vision as a church and where God's taking us, right? We want to be all about Jesus, that he's at the center of everything that we do. Um, it reminds me of that song, in Jesus at the Center. Anybody know that song, Israel Houghton? Okay. All right. Thank you, Osagi. Um, I actually had that song at our wedding. It's so good. That Jesus be the center of not just our lives. He'd be the center of our marriages. He'd be the center of our homes, Right. We want to be a Christ-centered church, a Christ-centered people. And we'd be a gospel-saturated people that everything that we do would be saturated with the gospel. That how we go to work, how we interact with other people, the gospel would affect and change that. And so this morning, we're going to jump right in, but we're going to be talking about being a spirit-empowered people. Amen? We don't have to operate on our own power, but we get to operate through the power of the Holy Spirit. Because if we try to be Christ-centered, if we try to be gospel-saturated on our own, we will fail and fail and fail, right? But we can, through the power of the Holy Spirit, glorify Jesus' name through the power of the Spirit. So, that said, uh, again, if you are new here, welcome. We love you. Welcome to the family. We have a good time. We sing pretty loud. And we know how to have fun. So, just jump right in with this, okay? Um, this morning, as we look at being spirit-filled. We look at being empowered by the Spirit. I know that a lot of people are bringing a lot of different things in this room, okay? Some of you were coffee-empowered this morning, okay? Some more than others. That's why our second gathering is usually a little more fun than the first one, okay? Because you've already had four shots of espresso, like I have. And it's a good thing that we can be coffee-empowered, or else many of us probably wouldn't be at our jobs, right? So, those are ways to be empowered. You can be empowered by a lot of things, right? Athletes are empowered. You have all these supplements, but that's not the Holy Spirit. And we're going to dive into that in a minute. But as we get going, I want you to know we are closing part of these last two weeks and this week, really three weeks of a vision series for us on exalting Jesus' name. That we want Jesus' name to be above every name, above our name, above the name of the church, above the name of the great country of Texas, okay? We want Jesus' name to be above all. And so his name is supreme above everything. And, and that's why we've been talking about what we've been talking about. So today we're actually going to close out with worshiping really big, praising his name, just to let you look forward to that, okay? So we're going to worship him today. But as we talk about the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is often the most confusing person of the Trinity, um, but really, he's the main character through so much of the scriptures. The Holy Spirit's actually mentioned 70 times in the Old Testament, 90 times in the New Testament, and 71 times in the book of Acts alone. So he's kind of a big character, right? And so as we dive into this, I'm just going to give you fair warning this morning. We are not going to cover everything about the Holy Spirit. Some of you are like, hey, he's about to talk about spiritual gifts, and I have the gift of discernment. You're discerning wrong. I am not going to talk about spiritual gifts this morning. We're going to dive into how we relate with the Holy Spirit 
in four different ways. Does that sound okay? And so we're going to dive in and talk about first who the Holy Spirit is, really big on the who. And then we're going to look at four ways that we relate and interact with the Spirit. And I want to give you that roadmap again because I know from personal experience that a lot of us have had some bad experiences or even church hurts when we're talking about the Holy Spirit. Some of you have even gone through maybe a church split or you've seen things where people disagree about theology or things like that. And it can really mess up your view of God sometimes when you see how messed up people are, right? But it's easy to forget we're all broken. We're all messed up in some way. And so we all can manipulate and do things with the Holy Spirit that we're not supposed to. And that's called sin. And so we want to acknowledge that this morning. And I want to acknowledge we're all coming in from so many different backgrounds. And that's why we have to start out with who the Holy Spirit is before we talk about relating to the Holy Spirit. And you're going to hear more in this series as we go on about gifts of the Spirit. You're going to hear more about how the Spirit moves in us and through us. Uh, But this morning, we're going to really look at this relationship with the Spirit. What does this look like? It's such a big topic, but as we dive into Scripture here, you'll see some of that. So we're going to dive in. We're going to be in John 14 to start, and I'm going to give you quite a few passages today. And so if you are a note taker, this is the message for you. And if you want to write down a lot of passages you can go back to this week and really be able to feed yourself in Scripture this week, this is a great message for you to write those down, go back, review them. You're going to have a lot of that in your community group as well, um, because I wrote the community group thing, so I know it's coming. So I just want to tell you, you're going to have a lot of this later, but we're going to give a big overview today. And so you'll dive into those scriptures. But raise your hand if you need a Bible. Our ushers will bring you a Bible. Throw your hand up. Totally okay. If you need one, we would give that to you. That is a gift to you. Um, you don't have to take it. I think our lead pastor, Tori, actually came to Christ through a Bible that he stole. So you don't have to do that. This is a gift to you. And we want to bless you with that. Um, We also have the Bible app, if we can throw that link up there. You can follow along and see some of the notes in that as well. And we'll start here in John 14. So to give you a little bit of the scene, we're going to be here and then we're going to jump to John 16 pretty quickly. But these chapters here, I would love to encourage you just to read these this week as we look at who the Holy Spirit is. This is kind of, if you're thinking like the last episode on Friends or... You know, Downton Abbey, whatever your show is, um, this is like the last time the disciples and Jesus are all having this dinner together. And this is an intimate conversation after dinner. And Jesus is talking to them and sharing with them that he's going to send an advocate. He's going to send the Holy Spirit, but he has to go away. And so they are, it even says that they're filled with sorrow, that they're sad. And so this is an emotional moment for the disciples and Jesus. And we see here that Jesus is going to share with them that he's not going to leave them alone. He's actually going to send an advocate to them, the Holy Spirit. So if you would just start with me in John 14, 15. And we're just going to read uh, verses 15 through 20. But I would really encourage you, go back and read that sometime this week. Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commands. First pause, okay? If you love me, these are his best friends. He is their best friend. That's like saying to your spouse, if you love me, right? Like there is an intimacy, there's a closeness, there's an expectation when he says that. If you love me, keep my commands, verse 16, and I will ask the Father. He will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth 
The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. I love this. Listen to verse 18. Underline this if you want to. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore. But you will see me because I live. You will also live. On that day, you will realize that I am in the Father and you are in me and I am in you. Guys, we have life through the Spirit. We have an opportunity to be in relationship with the Father and that Jesus isn't leaving us alone as orphans in this world. This is good news, right? This is Jesus laying out the gospel really for his disciples right in their face. And they still don't get it, guys. This would be us in, in so many ways. But we see that we are empowered by the Spirit. We are guided by the Word to give glory to Jesus' name and to exalt his name above every other. The Spirit of God reveals God's Word clearly to us, empowers us to witness, equips us with spiritual gifts, convicts us, convicts us of sin, and leads us into righteousness, right? The, the Holy Spirit guides us into God's way. In John 16, 7, if you want to flip over there with me, it says this. Again, this is Jesus talking. This is one big conversation that he's sharing with them. He says, but very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Now imagine, they are sorrowful. Jesus, their teacher, their mentor, their rabbi, their friend, he is going to go away. They're sad. You and I would be sad. But much more than that, they feel like they don't know where he's going. And then he gives them this promise that he's going to send the Spirit. And why is it better for the Spirit to come than for Jesus to still be here? Because you and I now have the Holy Spirit in us. See, what happens with the disciples here is they end up being filled with the Holy Spirit and spreading the gospel message that you and I know. You and I would not know Jesus the same way we do. We wouldn't know the Father the same way we do unless Jesus went and ascended into heaven after he raised from the dead. And then the Spirit moved and shared the gospel with the whole world so that you and I would know. Guys, this is part of us receiving the gospel right here. We really believe it that when Jesus said it's better for him to leave that he might send the helper, he might send the Holy Spirit, the advocate to, advocate to us. We seek to be filled by the Spirit, to walk by the Spirit, and to align ourselves in submission to God's Word with the Spirit. Now why would I go to all this trouble to lay out all that, really, theology about who the Spirit is. Again, not just because you have church hurts, maybe, but because the reality is there's this big spectrum on the church. There's people that believe that God is not doing anything anymore, that He has come and He's gone, and you know what? We just have the Scripture, and we just need to kind of live moral lives by that. And then there's this whole spectrum over here where you got people like dancing on snakes and doing all that kind of stuff and screaming stuff out loud, you know, there's a huge spectrum. And the reality is all of us, every single person in this room are somewhere on this spectrum. And the rea other reality is we judge people if they're on that side and we're on this side. Or if we're on this side, we judge that side and say, you know what, they don't have enough of the Spirit. And so we go back and forth when actually God desires unity for us in the Spirit. 
And so he gives us grace and he apportions, the scripture says, to different people in different ways. And so we can't judge each other for that. We really have to stick to the scripture because all of that spectrum is often based on people's experience and not based on the word of God. And when you let your experience guide your theology, you will never actually understand what the scriptures are saying because your theology about who God is should come from the spirit through the scriptures to us so that we would then be guided in our experiences by what God's word says. Because if we try to flip it around, then we can manipulate the spirit. A good example of that is that we have to answer this really big question that I'm almost going to guarantee none of you were thinking like Thursday morning at 8 a.m., okay? You weren't talking about this. Maybe you were. That's great. But I want us to answer the question and kind of put a nail in the coffin on this. Is the Holy Spirit a force or a person? Is the Holy Spirit a force or a person? And for some of you, that's a really easy answer. And it might be right or wrong. You just know that you know and that's what you grew up in. But the reality is, the scriptures say that the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. Three persons in one essence, the Trinity. Yes, we're going all the way to the Trinity, okay? And in that, we see this beautiful relationship between the Trinity. We see that the Father and the Son and the Spirit are all dwelling together in, uh, in creation, that they created the world together. We see incredible relationship. And as we're made in the image of God, that's why we desire relationship. But if we say that the Holy Spirit is a force, like Star Wars, okay, we're really getting to something really dangerous. And that's often where people manipulate the scriptures. They manipulate the Holy Spirit for their, their name and not for God's name, okay? And some people kind of create a pony show of, hey, look what I can do, because they're manipulating the scripture, and that's sin. And they're manipulating it to glorify them and not Jesus' name. If you want to know what the truth is about the Holy Spirit, and if it's something from the Spirit, it's going to glorify Jesus' name. That's a huge test right there we see in scriptures. But if it's glorifying people's name over Jesus, that's probably manipulation. And that is often how we have been hurt in the church. Because people have manipulated the scriptures to what they want. See, that's, if you're wielding the Holy Spirit, if you're trying to, you know what, I just need more of it so I can use it. And give some away over there, give some away over here. You're really kind of lying to yourself. And actually that creates an exhausting life where you're trying to earn more and more and more of the Spirit. When Jesus says, I gave you everything when I came into your heart. You didn't just receive part of me, you received all of me. Because the Father, the Son, and the Spirit are a package deal, okay? You can't really get an installment plan, okay? You, You have to get them all at once. And so in that, we see that the Spirit of God is moving, teaching, and empowering us. And that's how we're able to be Christ-centered. That's how we're able to be gospel-saturated, because the Spirit's working in us. Because it's the person of God. It's the Spirit of the living God. It's not something to be wielded, not something to be manipulated. It's not a something, it's a someone. It's the Holy Spirit. Amen? Awesome. So as we dive into this, I want to just show us real quickly where we see the Spirit in Scripture. So... Again, I'm giving you some stuff to write down. You don't have to turn there, but I would encourage you to go back this week. So Genesis 1 verse 2 is where we first see the Holy Spirit appear, really. We see that the Spirit of God is hovering over the waters. Now, that's really hovering over all creation. And we see in that that it's a little bit chaotic. The earth was without form and it was void. So there's nothing and there's chaos, right? 
The waters are moving. Waters often represent that. And so we see all the way back in Genesis 1, but that the Spirit of God was over it. He was sovereign. And again, that's why it can't be a force, because if we are sovereign over the Holy Spirit, then we're God. But God is God and we are not. And that is good news for us, that we are not sovereign over the Spirit that can be wielded, but God's over it. So he's over all creation. And then we see in 1 Corinthians 14, 33, from Old Testament to New, you see that the Holy Spirit brings peace into all the meetings of God's people. In 1 Corinthians 14, 33, you see that Paul's writing that to a church that's kind of chaotic, but that God himself, through the Spirit of God, brings his peace. And in fact, that's what the Holy Spirit has done in a lot of our lives, right? You were experiencing chaos, and then God brought peace to you. That's the Spirit of God dwelling in you, bringing peace and changing your life. In the Old Testament, we see that the Holy Spirit works through the nation of Israel. That there are times where the Spirit dwells in the temple and in the tabernacle and even in the Ark of the Covenant, right? And the Holy Spirit defeats the enemies of God. I mean, this is pretty crazy, right? You've got the ten plagues. Like, this is a very active moment for, for the Holy Spirit. And then you see in the New Testament, at Pentecost, the Holy Spirit comes and dwells on us. The Holy Spirit comes upon us. And so we have the Spirit once and for all. And so that's Acts 2, Acts 3, Acts 4. We see this really invasion of the supernatural activity of the Holy Spirit. Again, why all this background? Why all of this? Because we as a church need to understand who the Spirit of God is if we're going to be empowered by the Spirit. We need to understand that if we're empowered, we're empowered for a purpose. And so the, the role of the Spirit is always to exalt Jesus' name and not our name. And so if you're filled with the Spirit, you're going to desire to exalt Jesus' name, not your name. And there's going to be a battle within. We, we see that in Scripture. We'll get to that in just a second. But I want to bring us to really four pretty simple ways. And again, I want to say simple, not simplistic. Simple ways that we relate and interact with the Holy Spirit. So the first one is this. The Holy Spirit with us. Again, here's some more references. John 6.44 says... No man can come to Jesus except the Father draw him. This drawing of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit wooing you, if you will, is an act of God. If you are calling yourself a believer today, you've been drawn by the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit has been with you. I want to read a quote from one of my friends and a professor at the school I went to, Dr. Scott Harrell. He says, The whole process of wooing us to belief in the Savior and the gospel is the activity of the Spirit. Our being brought to God's life, our conception as offspring of God, our adoption as heirs of God, is through the graceful working of the Holy Spirit. Having given new birth to the believer, the Spirit then nurtures the Christian with his holy presence. There's this beautiful variable of time that God has given us. That his spirit works in us and forms us over time to look more and more like his son Jesus. Uh, At our community group this past week, I had everybody think back. I just picked a random number. Nine years ago, okay? Think back to where you were nine years ago. Some of you are like, oh dang, I don't want to think about that, okay? We had somebody in our group that was working on their doctorate nine years ago. And we had somebody who was in fourth grade. Nine years ago, okay? 
That said, think back to how much God has developed you, grown you, shaped you, and been with you in the last nine years, we'll say. Are you in the same place you were even a year ago? No. You have seen God with you and working on you and sanctifying you, like Tori talked about last week, that we are in process and the Holy Spirit is working in us and on us to make us more like God's Son. Another way that the Holy Spirit is with us is that He's literally with us, that we are not alone. Guys, we live in a city that is filled with people trying to make an image and a name for themselves. And it's like one of the most Instagrammable places in the world, I think, right now. It's also number one place to move in the U.S. Like, we need to change that so not so many people move in, right, until we build some highways. Uh, But I want to uh, just help you think how you're not alone. You live in a world where people are desperate for friendships. You live in a city where people are dying to be a part of community. And you have the Holy Spirit with you. The Spirit of God who created you is with you. Guys, you are not alone. You have a community of people here filled with the Holy Spirit. You're not alone. In fact, He's given you what you need to go and remove aloneness from other people because you have confidence in the Spirit that you're not alone. And so we get to worship together. That's why it's so important we gather in community. We don't just gather for Sundays. Go to a community group, please. But much more than just a community group, actually be in relationship with people. Because God's given you each other to grow each other, build each other up in the body, and to use those gifts to bless each other. Uh, A story that always comes to mind for me that really messed me up a few years ago in a good way was uh, in in Thessaloniki, Greece. And uh, thank God for my wife who reminded me of this story last night, okay? Um, But I want to draw me back and draw you back to 2012. Uh, I was in Thessaloniki, Greece, and I was helping out with a church plant near the University of Aristotle. Can you imagine graduating from the University of Aristotle? How arrogant you would be, right? (laughs) And there was 95,000 college students and 25 born-again Christians. And it was incredible to see the contrast and really this what felt like a stronghold of, of atheism in this country. And what we experienced was some really hard weeks, really hard months of ministry. And then it was time that we had about three days left, and it was time to go home. And so we had decided we would watch Big Fat Greek Wedding, and it was time to go smash some plates, okay? And so we've got a few college guys and a few local Greek guys, and we're trying to find a place to go smash plates and go, oopa, all right? Like, we're going to have a really fun, like, time with our Greek friends, and then we're going to go home. And so we are looking literally for a wedding. I didn't realize they only do that at weddings. I thought we could like find like a little dance club or something. But um, we go and we are walking around the city and people are sending us to different places. And we're asking, you know, just kind of word of mouth, hey, where's a place you can do this? And so we ask one group of people and they send us down to a sketchy part of town and then we end up, we asked the police, and they sent me and my buddies to a, a bar where there were just guys, and they were really excited to see us. And we said, that's probably not where we want to be. The police were definitely messing with us. And then we went from there, and the guys outside there said, well, hey, go try this down by the docks. Even sketchier place. And we're about to give up. It's like, okay, clearly 
God is not empowering us to go and to find a place to smash plates tonight, okay? And so we decide, you know, it's probably, it's probably time to be done. And then my friend Justin, who's just going to take it to the next step every time. We all have that friend, right? Like, they're a little more empowered, it feels like, but they're just crazy. Um, he goes up to this guy who runs a hot dog and coffee stand from 7 p.m. to 7 a.m. That gives you an idea of the nightlife in Thessaloniki, okay? And business was booming. And he runs this hot dog stand with his daughter, and she could sing every Kanye song at the time, but she couldn't speak English, okay? That's just kind of the environment we were in. And again, looking for a place to smash plates. We go and uh, we see that, hey, this guy, he's the oldest guy around. He's got to know where we can do some traditional Greek dancing, right? And and we're trying to explain it to him. We look like idiots. And he looks at us and he points us to a place and says, far away and it's expensive. And okay, maybe we just don't need to do this. And then he asks, why are you here? And my friend Justin says, Jesus, man. And he's like real country from the hill country and had a handlebar mustache at the time. And just weird. And... Ends up, this guy, his name is George. And when George heard Jesus, man, he shoves Justin in the chest. And we're like, oh, shoot. We're down by the docks. This guy's got a hot dog stand. And this totally a cover for something. Like, we are done. He ends up then telling us that he's been praying for somebody to come to him in Jesus' name. He says that he's been a Christian for 22 years, and he's been praying for community. And he hasn't found community because he has to work these night shifts and he has to sleep during the day, and he hasn't found a church that he could go to for 22 years. So we start talking to him, and we're like, George, you know, we've got a church that actually meets tomorrow night, and it's our last Sunday in town before we fly back. Would you want to come to church with us? And he says, okay, I'll come. And it started like five, so he could come and then go straight to work. And we said, all right, perfect. We'll have you come. We'd love to introduce you to some people. Now, part of George's story is that 22 years earlier, he was suicidal. And in fact, somebody was sent to him to share the gospel with him. And he said, you know what? I'm suicidal. I'm about to give up on this thing called life. But my brother's an alcoholic. You might want to go talk to him. He needs to hear about this Jesus guy. So that was George's view of who God was. But this guy who was sharing the gospel with him persisted. And George ended up coming to faith. And he said he felt this fire in his chest. And as he would pray, he felt like God would speak to him. And he would read these scriptures. And he said, this is amazing. This isn't anything like this Greek Orthodox church, this government-run thing that I go to. What's different about it? And so he was actually shamed and told he couldn't pray on his own like that and essentially ostracized out of the Greek Orthodox Church. And he never found a church family. And yet the Holy Spirit was with him. Because when we were able to, if you want to throw up that picture for me, we were able to take George, this is George right here, worshiping at what's called the Network Church in Thessaloniki, Greece. Remember, 22 years ago, somebody shared the gospel with him. But the Holy Spirit's been with him as he's prayed on his own with his daughter and his wife, and he prays in his closet by himself. Because when he walked in that room, a big, jolly guy named Kostas ran across the room and picked him up and hugged him. 
because Costas was the guy that shared the gospel with him 22 years earlier. Is that not amazing, guys? That God was with this guy named George for 22 years. He heard his prayers. He heard his cries. And to see these two grown men in their 60s come together and hug, and Costas picked him up, and it was so much joy. It's because the Spirit of God's doing that. Guys, that night I was going to smash plates. <laughs> How was I empowered by the Spirit to set this up? This was not me. This was not Justin. This was our goofy desire to go smash plates and take selfies like Big Fat Greek Wedding. <laughs> Guys, God used even that and empowered us even in that to be part of what he's doing. When we're a part of God's plan, he shows us, hey, I'm with you. And in fact, I've been with you the whole time. And so as you've been drawn to the Father, the Holy Spirit has been with you. You have not been alone. You are not alone. God hears you. He comforts you. He counsels you through the power of the Spirit. So that's number one. Holy Spirit's with you. Number two, the Holy Spirit is in you. The Holy Spirit is in us. Earlier we read in John 14, 17, really at that time as we accepted the truth of Jesus, the Holy Spirit takes up residence in us. And as Stephanie mentioned earlier, we are temples of the Holy Spirit. We see that in 1 Corinthians three sixteen. How can the Holy Spirit, it's not just any spirit, right? It's the Holy Spirit dwell in you and me. People, we know we're, we're sinners. We know we are dirty. How can we be made clean? It is only the Spirit of God coming in you and working in you that you are made perfect before Christ, that you're made to look like the Son. Earlier I mentioned that we're kind of at war in our spirit, right? We, we've got this flesh that really desires the things of this world. And so we need to be convicted. And you might be convicted on a Sunday morning when you hear a message. You might be convicted when you hear a podcast. You might be told that you need to be convicted by your wife, right? Like there's a lot going on where the Spirit works to convict us. But when we are convicted of sin and we repent of that, we experience incredible freedom. And one of the main roles and functions, go ahead and write this down, that the Spirit has in our lives is that the Spirit's role, one of them, is to wage war on our flesh. Say that with me. Wage war on our flesh. Have you ever thought about the Holy Spirit in you like that? That you actually have the power of God in you to fight your flesh, to fight your evil desires. Guys, we give Satan way too much credit. We need to go to war against our flesh 99% of the time. And we need to call it out when you say, Holy Spirit, I need you to heal me. I need you to take this desire away from me. I need you right now. So the Holy Spirit wages war on our flesh. The Holy Spirit guides us and leads us and teaches us how to make decisions that honor God, right? I mean, you can come to a point, and, and a lot of us come to the point in decisions where we decide, okay, it's either A or B, right? It's either it's moral, okay, it's biblical, or it's immoral, right? We kind of have these two categories going. And we say it's either like yes or no. And you, that works for some decisions, sure. But you, you know if you're going to get married to somebody, you want to both be believers, right? That's moral or immoral. 
you see that. You know that if you're going to buy a house, you don't want to go into tons and tons and tons of, of debt, right? You don't want to sell away everything. There's, there's all these kind of moral and moral. Is this sin or is it not sin? And some ways we do that. So if you are, how many students are in here? Throw your hands up if you're a student. Awesome. So if you're a student and you want to change your major, that's a pretty big decision, right? That's going to affect some direction of your life. I see Harrison over here. He's like, yep, yep, he's going to be a doctor. We're all going to have Dr. Minor pretty soon, okay? But those are big decisions. Is it right or wrong to have one major or the other? Is it moral or immoral? I mean, if you're a communications major versus an engineering major, is that moral or immoral? Right? You're like, I don't know. That's right. (laughs) We don't. We don't get that answer in the text. If we say, hey, there's this girl, she really wants to get married to this guy, she knows he's going to propose, and I'm not going to make you raise your hands on this one, okay? He knows he's going to propose, and you're like, you know what, he's a believer, it's good, moral, immoral, he cares about me, he respects me, moral, immoral, but I just don't know. What does she do, right? Does she say yes or no? And then we're all going to watch The Bachelorette. Okay, so (laughs) then... You think of buying a house. A family wants to buy a a bigger, better house. They want to have more people over. It's a good desire. Is it moral or immoral to do that? You're not going to see that answer in the text. You're going to be guided by the Holy Spirit. Because what you maybe have thought about is a moral or immoral way to do things. There's actually kind of this whole realm over here where it's amoral. Where God has given you, write this down, more freedom than you ever could have imagined and more responsibility for your decisions than you ever imagined. He's given you more freedom than you could imagine and more responsibility for your decisions than you ever imagined. And the Holy Spirit guides you and teaches you in how to make those decisions and to honor Him. So the Holy Spirit is with us. The Holy Spirit is in us. We have the Spirit waging war on our flesh, guiding us in us. The Holy Spirit has also come upon us. So number three... The Holy Spirit comes upon us. Acts 1.8 says, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And that word for power is, is actually the same root word in the Greek as dynamite. Okay, This is explosive. This is powerful. And in this way, God has given us power. And this is real power. This is a supernatural power to go and then be witnesses. And you and I have gifts. We have spiritual gifts. And like I said, we'll get to that later in this this series that we're in. But when you think about spiritual gifts, they are always for the building up of the body. They're always for building up God's church and God's people. They are not for our names. So if you have a great gift of, of leading worship or teaching or a great gift of generosity or hospitality, that's not about you. It's about Jesus. And that's why we're talking about the Holy Spirit in this exalt series is because we want to exalt Jesus with the gifts that he has given us. So your gifts are not for you. Your gifts are actually for giving. We believe that the Holy Spirit still heals people. We believe that God is continuing to pour out his spirit. We believe that God is still moving and working. And he does that through everyday people too. Because the first people listed as being empowered by the Spirit in Scripture were actually carpenters and woodworkers building the temple and the tabernacle. Have you thought about that? That You could have a spiritual gift in your IT world. 
because you're actually giving glory to Jesus there. If you're an elementary school teacher, Lord knows you need spiritual gifts to work in that, okay? There is incredible ways that God has gifted each one of us as a body together. And so we need to be unified in that. Unity is massive for God, guys. Ephesians 4, 3 through 7 says, We need to be eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all. But grace was given to each one according to the measure of Christ's gift. Again, go back and read that Ephesians 4, 3 through 7 this week because it's so important that we understand how to celebrate each other's gifts and not become jealous of each other's gifts. We will divide and break down unity when we start to become jealous of each other's gifts. Uh, The apologist Ravi Zacharias, love him, he, he says... Grace misunderstood will always lead to jealousy. Grace misunderstood, because grace, these are gifts, guys. It's like on Christmas morning when you see your sibling get something that you want, and you don't know that the next present is even better than that, and you're like so jealous, and you see those little videos on YouTube now of the kids crying because, you know, they didn't get that, this or that. That's what we look like when we're not happy with the gifts that God has given us. We look like a disappointed child. In reality, we need to celebrate each other's gifts and bless each other and say, hey, I need you and you need me too because we're in this body and this family together. And that's why we look so diverse as a people because that's what heaven looks like. We're a diverse people because we are representing and imaging heaven here. So number four, I want to get to is that the Holy Spirit works through us, that he fills us and controls us. We get all of the Holy Spirit when we receive Jesus. After all, like I said earlier, the the Holy Spirit, the Trinity, the Father, Son, and Spirit, they're a package deal. We get all of the Holy Spirit. So why this reference to being filled? I'm going to give you one more scripture and we'll close out. Ephesians 5, 18 and 19 says this. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. That's fun, right? Like, go have a party. Go smash some plates, right? Sing some songs. Keep on being filled with the Spirit. This doesn't mean that we are filled up and it's like a gas pump over and over. Like that, it's more of a sense of taking control and possession of. Can you be filled with anger? Can you be filled with lust? Can you be filled with joy? In the same way, we can be filled with the Spirit. It's interesting that the Scripture in the New Testament continues to contrast drunkenness and being filled with the Spirit. Because there is this controlling aspect. There's this substantive idea. But I think even more than that, you think if you get pulled over and you get a DUI, what is that literally called? It's driving under the influence. And in the same way as the scripture contrasts drunkenness to being filled with the Spirit, whose influence are you under? Are you under the influence of the Holy Spirit or something else? And that should be a little bit eerie for you to wrestle with this morning is, are you letting the Holy Spirit fill you so that the Holy Spirit controls you and influences you? So that the Holy Spirit works through you in that. Guys, the Holy Spirit brings conviction, brings new life, 
fills us with power. This is good. But we often kind of settle for what we can see and experience. We settle for saying, you know what, God, this is probably what you're going to do on my schedule and my time when God's setting something up like George. And you might not be thinking that he's moving, but he is in the background so often. And so as we look at being empowered by the Spirit, we want to be a Spirit-empowered people. I've got to ask us this morning, whose power are you operating on? I mean, we just said, who are you being influenced by? But if you're operating on your own power and trying to live for Jesus, it's going to be absolutely exhausting. You're going to be so worn out. You're going to be tired of what God is, is showing you. And you're saying, you know what, I can't do this. I can't do that. You're going to say, I can't do it anymore because you're working on your own power and not God's power. Guys, we've got to be filled with the Spirit so that we can move and work and have our being in the spirit of the living God. So I'm just going to ask you to grow in that. That's why I give you so many scriptures so that you would go back and eat, be able to feed yourself really this week. But what I want to do now is we're going to close and Anthony and, and the team are going to come up here right now and we're going to have a time where we're just going to ask God to fill us again. That we would be filled with the Spirit of God, we would be empowered to exalt His name. And as we close out this part of our vision series, we realize we really need the Spirit to do anything, but especially to carry out a vision that we feel like has come from God. And so this morning, if you are in here and you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, and if what we've been talking about this morning resonates with you and where you are at, I'm going to ask you to do something we don't typically do around here. If you've been carrying that burden and you are weary and you need to be empowered by God, if God's put something on your mind and your heart that you need to be obedient in, but you're trying to do it in your own power and you know you can't, and you just need to be filled with His presence this morning, filled with His power, uh, there's nothing magical about this. You know, I'm just a believer in Christ like everybody else in here. But I want to pray for you. I want to pray that you would be filled. And so I'm going to ask you if that's you and you're tired of operating on your own power and you know who you are, would you just stand where you're at and just hold out your hands to God that you would receive and be filled with his power this morning. That as you go out from here, you would be empowered to go You'd be empowered to move. And it wouldn't be your ability or your works, but it would be God in you, the Spirit of God empowering you and sending you. That you wouldn't be fearful of saying yes to what He's called you to, but that you would remember that the Holy Spirit is with you, that He's in you, that the Spirit of God has come upon you, that He wants to work through you just going to simply pray that he would fill all those that are just holding their hands out just wanting to receive and we're going to worship and we're going to sing songs and hymns and spiritual songs just like we read in Ephesians 5 that we would go from here with a song in our hearts because we're empowered by the living God and we have a relationship with the spirit of the living God
Father, we thank you that you have sent your Son. We thank you that you have, through your Son, sent your Spirit to fill us. Lord, I pray for those standing right now. Would you fill them with your Spirit? Would you anoint them to step into what you have called them to, God? Would they not leave here on their own power, but on your power, God? Lord, I pray for all of these standing, for really everyone in the room, God, to reach back to those that are like George. There are people in this city like George that are waiting to be connected with family, God. Would you empower us to draw your family together here in this city? I pray for those that would be filled with your spirit, that they would carry your peace wherever they go. Lord, I pray that as we go from this place, that you would be glorified, that your name would be exalted above every other name, Jesus. And that we would live out of a life of gratitude and not out of a life that's fighting with our flesh, but that, Lord, your spirit would wage war on our flesh. And we would know that sin has been defeated and that we get to celebrate that you are alive, Jesus, and that you have given us life through your spirit. We ask that you'd fill us We ask that you would send us. We ask that you would use us to exalt your name. In Jesus' name we pray.